The Money Show. Small business. Pavlo Fetidis from Auric Business Accelerator. <laughs> this time last year, Pavlo Fetidis. Uh, it was terrible. It was awful. Um, and many, many small businesses have died on the vine. Um, they were probably vulnerable, um, as it was when they went into this crisis. And some, I dare say, have actually thrived through this crisis. And I suppose that's the difference between good and bad businesses. And some, Bruce, that were thriving before equally died because through sheer bad luck, they were in the wrong sector of the economy. There were really a lot of good businesses in tourism, in hospitality, what I refer to as a social economy, that honestly, Bruce, through no fault of theirs, yours, mine, or anyone else's, through no fault of the way that they built those businesses, ran those businesses, through no fault of the landlords that they had, the banks that they engaged with, there was just simply nothing to be done to take them out of a very, very dire set of circumstances. But as I think back to that, recently I had a conversation with um, a business owner that I work with that has, uh, I think about, I think they're about 186 restaurants. And he turned around and he said to me, um, they went through unmitigated hell this time last year, without a doubt, and we did a lot of work together around this. And he said to me, more or less around November, December, he has not seen leases with landlords like those that he's seeing at the moment, which yearn back to rates and deal structures that he last saw five, six, seven, ten years ago. So those who managed to stick it out, Bruce, um, are set to thrive. They're set to enjoy the benefit of new leases, strong leases, very affordable leases, and it's a good time for them to come back into the market now. Okay. Right. Well, look, I mean, here we are um, in March 2021, where the first quarter of the year is almost done. It always whizzes by, as does the second, third, and fourth quarter, by the way. Um, <laughs> but how do we make sure that we've got the best people? And not just the best people, because you can have the best people, but if you're not coordinating them, and if you're not conducting them, and if you're not directing them, and if you're not pulling them all together, and you're not getting them to operate efficiently, um, you just have lots of really good people sitting around mucking about, um, being kind of pointless. How do we get the right people to do the right thing at the right time and, and, and pull it all together in a way that sort of gets the very best of our out of our organization, but also... And here's your challenge, to do it at a rate that's actually affordable for a small business. Because this isn't big corporate budget stuff with hordes of trainers and dancing monkey routines and all of that sort of thing. And, and Bruce, you know what? It, it's, it's a global problem. The thing that fascinates me most, there are two things right now at this point in time that I'm betting you, if I were to ask 10 million small businesses in... 30 countries altogether, what are the two big issues you face? The first is finding, winning, and securing new clients. And the second is getting the right people to do the right thing at the right time. And what fascinates me in this whole process is never before have we as people been more educated, have had access to more skills, more learning, more tuition, some of it paid for, a lot of it free, Generally, people are more competent, 
and better skilled than they've ever been before. And when I sit down with the business owner and I catch them in a period where they're feeling a bit glum, they're feeling that they have, uh, again, Jack made the same mistake. Again, Mary did this. And I said, what are you saying? When they say to me, if you want something done properly, do it yourself. You need to do it yourself. Yeah. You know that you're working with someone who is likely to be one of the 94.6% of businesses started that will never, ever sell. Because unless you get this people piece right, Bruce, you're building an income for yourself. You're not building something of an asset that could be sold down the line. So I've thought a lot about this. The second thing is, have you ever looked at someone's CV, Bruce? I have, yes. Sorry, I, I, I was waiting for the, for the follow-up question. But yes, I've looked at someone's CV. Yes, I have. Yeah, yes. And uh, are you a mystic? Uh, do you have a remarkable <laughs> intuition around people? <laughs> when you look at a CV, are you able to, when you're under pressure with time and when you've got to get the job done and when you need the hands on deck and there are all sorts of other crises going on, um, can, you, can you spend 15, 20, 30 hours on a CV to really get to know a person well? Or can you read the CV and just intuit that they're the right people for the right job? Because there are very few people I know who can get that right. Unless, I mean, you, you can never give enough information. You can never, you know, be clear enough. Um, there's a fabulous live read from an audit firm on the radio right now talking about how hard it is to get that clarity. And um, that clarity is absolutely non-negotiable, or at least it should be. Now, it's really hard, Bruce. You know, when you look at most people's CVs, there's a series of bullet points around what remarkable skills they have, the true talent that sits in front of you. One would think that in reading most people's CVs, they could single-handedly build the base station on Mars. And the reality is, it means nothing. And I think that that's where we go wrong. So getting this right really has six elements to it. And it starts with why you exist. Why do you do what you do? If you as a business owner, Bruce, don't start with the end in mind and understand why you're doing what you're doing, it's really hard for the balance of the activity sets that you need to get this right to get them in place. And there are two issues that you face over here. The first is personal. As a business owner, are you building a business to generate income and income alone? Or are you building a business that you hope of a day, whilst generating income, you will be able to sell and exit in the future in order to gain a reward for the risk you've taken, and more importantly, some sort of financial reward that acts as your pension. It's a critical decision because it affects the way you look at people and talent in a business. If you're looking to build a business that you can sell in the future, the team you have on board is essential to get that right. If you're simply looking to generate income, well, you can do with some people, you can do with others, you might not need them at all. The old adage of do it yourself to get it done properly maintains. So I want to put a position to you that there's a very particular process you follow for so long as you agree that you're building a business that every day can be sold. Are you going to put it in a system at any point? <laughs> of course there's going to be a system. 
But before you build a system, you need to understand why your business exists. And there's only one reason, Bruce. There are over 500 million live websites at the moment sloshing around at the end of your browser. And that website is a shop window. And when you sit down and think quietly to yourself, what makes my business special? And you come up with an idea that it is the features in your product or your price or your service. All three things which are easily imitated by millions of other competitors. You're on a losing wicket because a business exists to serve only one purpose. And that purpose starts by defining very clearly who it is that you wish to serve. Because once you understand who it is, you can ask, what problem can I solve for you through my product or service? And thereafter, what experience would you like when I solve that problem for you? Those two questions, Bruce, define the rest of, it defines the raison d'etre, the reason for being, the purpose behind every business out there. If you stand with a business owner and ask them, who do you serve, what problem do you solve, and what experience do you create to get that problem solved? And that cannot be answered crisply and clearly. Know that you're standing in front of someone who's still seeking a reason as to why they should exist as a business. It is one of the hardest things to get right, but it's essential because after that, I employ you, Bruce, to build systems. And believe once you've got the systems done, um, you know, <laughs> you think to yourself, well, the, my work here is done. I can relax. I can go play golf 14 times a week. I can go on holiday. I can leave the business to its own devices. I've, I've empowered everybody. Everyone knows what they're doing. So happy days to me and my new you know, gentleman of leisure status or lady of leisure status, whatever I want to be. Yeah, I wish. Uh, wouldn't that be fantastic? So one of the biggest problems, of course, is understanding what a system really means. Because you mentioned the word, and most people think it's some sort of uh, software uh, that will run and operate the business for you. But the point is this. Within, this. within the realm of SMEs, if we've understood how we position our business and why our business exists, and our clients have told us what experience they want in us serving them, then those systems, Bruce, need to be built across how you market the business, how you sell your service or product, how you deliver on your promises, how you administer and manage the relationship with the client, and how the economics works. And if you've, if you've gotten your positioning right, if you've understood who you serve, and they've given you very clear descriptions around what experience they want, that's when you build a system. And the way you build a system, the six elements sets you up to get the right people to do the right thing. Because every system is made up of activities placed in a sequence with a measured outcome. There is, the activities are teachable, they can be captured in a very well, clearly defined job description, and they can be appropriately remunerated. 
And that means once built across the entire business and integrated together, systems enable the experience that your clients want. You now need to get people on board to operate the systems. And I think one of the fundamental mistakes we make in business is that we open up job opportunities. What we should be recruiting for are not employees to hold a job function. We should be recruiting system operators. Imagine this. You know the systems that you have built in your own business. You get a wrath of CVs coming in. You can literally discard them once you've been through some of the demographics. If you're looking for people who live and exist in a close location to the business, or whatever those features might be, you can then sit down with the potential employee and ask very particular questions around the activities that make up the system. Because if I ask you, have you ever done this kind of activity, whatever the activity may be, in listening to your answer, I will know whether you yourself have done it before, whether you did it within the context of a team, whether you're simply an observer in watching it being done, I will know if you have the aptitude suited to the activity that makes up the system I'm looking for a system operator in. And if I can get past that, then I can sit down and have a conversation with you about your family, your aspirations. I can start to get into the stuff that really matters when you employ people. And that's about values and culture. And if I can spend my time focused on that, knowing full well that you can technically deliver that activity set, we're moving towards a match made in heaven. And if we don't, it's a match made in hell. But I mean, your, your, your people have got to really understand what their role is. You've got to communicate with them. You've got to be clear to them all the time. You've got to be absolutely unequivocal, which means that you have got to have your head screwed on. So often you hear horror stories, especially in startups, where the boss is terribly good at doing what they do, but they're not managers um, and they're chaotic. They're not organized. They're not actually good at running the business. They'll learn. And the survivors of the early startup stage will be delighted that they were part of this particular startup. But so often um, you wonder just how much debris and detritus is is caused by people who, you know, are not creating meaning for employees and not creating the value for employees. Well, you know, if you think about how meaning comes about, in many ways, if you find yourself doing something that you have the right aptitude for, because there's a good match between the activity and yourself, if you succeed at it, it builds your confidence. And the more your confidence builds, the more pleasure you get from doing it. And the more pleasure you get from doing it, the more you want to do it. And the more you want to do it, the better you become at it. And the better you become at it, the more your confidence builds. It is the root of all meaning and value. And if you can see that the activities that you perform play into a bigger team to create a bigger impact, which is what systems deliver, you suddenly understand your value. And I have seen people thrive in those environments. It's our responsibility, Bruce, to create that meaning. And we create that meaning by providing a match to the incumbent employee and the activity sets they need to perform. If you get that right, 
it gives you the third lever of valuation. When I knock on your door, of a day in the future, I ask, who will drive the business and run the business, Bruce, once you leave and I've paid you for the business? And unless you can show me a purposeful team of motivated individuals who are thriving in the work that they do to drive that business and grow that business, you're going to face a situation where, and I think right back to my very early years, I was buying a business for a dollar a pop because they simply weren't sellable. This notion that we need highly educated, entitled, expensive employees to make things work in our business. No, we don't. We need to build businesses that can help people to deliver the work that's needed to grow those businesses. And this is how you do it. Pavlo Fatidis, founder at Auric Business Accelerator.